You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new centerfire rifle ammunition terminal ascent. Now, the terminal ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The terminal ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet, and it comes in a variety of cartridges, including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06, and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com. And while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today's episode is about our muzzleloader hunt. So every year we go and do a, a muzzleloader hunt out at our grandparents' farm. And this year was a little different. Dad usually goes with us. He didn't come with us, but we took two other people that we don't normally hunt with, one of which had had uh, either never shot a muzzleloader before or hadn't shot one in a long time. So we talk about what that experience was like, getting them ready to hunt and uh, how the hunt went, as well as you know, any other hunting, because this is one hunt that we always do, but but Jeff hunted out at his property, and Jacob is going to hunt out at, at his property, so that's what this one's about. Before we get into that, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Mastin's Deer Sense, and we appreciate all of our sponsors because they help us bring you this show, so I would really appreciate it if you would show them some love and uh, check out some of their stuff. So Mastin's is a deer scent company. Lots of cool and interesting products, and the prices are really good. The prices are really reasonable for their stuff. So check out their Double Scent Stacker. Check out their Liquid Scents. Check out their Scented Gel Crystals. And their blends of scents are different than a lot of other uh, scent companies that I've seen. They've got one that smells like a deer. It's a good cover scent. Helps to calm the deer. They've got Buck Reaper. They've got your, your Doe and Estrus. So... Lots of stuff to check out. Mastinsdeersense.com or go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors and find all of our sponsor information there. Now, let's talk muzzleloader hunting. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? All right, so this week it's, well, muzzleloader season is still in. We're recording this Monday of muzzleloader season, but we've done the, the bulk of our muzzleloader hunting already. Uh, Jake, I think you are going to try and go out again tomorrow is that right yeah i'm gonna try and get out tomorrow evening i have to work in the morning and then as long as all the stars align and my wife can get home and all that stuff i'm gonna hope to go out and sit at my property in the evening and see if i can't get one last crack at the 
one of the big boys. So we'll see. Yeah. That's all I'll be hunting for is buck only. And it would have to be mature buck. I wouldn't. So we'll see. Well, and I suspect that's probably, I mean, I don't know. This is just a, a hunch of mine, but <clears throat> I suspect that's, you know, what we did. We hunted the weekend and, you know, unless you feel like you've got a crack at a good one or, you know, you haven't filled the freezer yet and work allows, I suspect most of the muzzleloader hunting goes on on that, you know, over that weekend, that Saturday, Sunday. And then, you know, obviously you've got the <laughs> the diehards that love muzzleloader hunting, but my hunch is that uh, a lot of it is opportunistic and that work schedule allows or you know you're able to get home early enough to get a few hours and stand before it gets dark or something like that but so the bulk of our muzzleloader hunting is done so we're going to talk muzzleloader hunting kind of our successes our our failures and some new experiences i guess this this season so to start we or i brought along a new i don't i don't want to say new hunter because she's not a new hunter but she's bow hunted before and i never really asked her how much gun hunting she's done but i don't i the impression i get is that she hasn't done a ton of gun hunting and i know she had never shot a muzzleloader before so introduced her to muzzleloader hunting and muzzleloaders and that was a all in all i would say it was a a good experience she uh, you know i guess uh to to tell you how it ended after you know our our shooting session before we went hunting she said she wanted to buy a muzzleloader so <laughs> i'd say that was uh a success but uh, they came over, and uh, so my brother-in-law and his girlfriend came over, and we were going to shoot the muzzleloaders, make sure they were sighted in. I had just put a mounted a scope on my muzzleloader, and you know, like I said, she had never she had never uh, shot a muzzleloader before. So I showed her how to load it the first time, kind of talked her through what you need to pay attention to, what you need to know on muzzle loaders and I don't know if you I don't know if you guys are afflicted with this this same issue but I really I've discovered or I've learned I guess that I really have to be pay attention to how much detail I'm giving a new not even a new shooter, but somebody that is, is maybe new to that kind of firearm or isn't real versed in, you know, I, you guys know me, right? I want to go in the weeds, start talking about right. grains of powder and uh, all of that stuff. <clears throat> right. And instead of saying, you know, put two of these, one of these, shove it in there. Yeah. Put this here. Close yeah. it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I say that because I, I sort of caught myself mid 
stream, I guess, like, and it, you know, I, I didn't say this to them, but in my head, I'm like, dude, you're way too far in the weeds. Bring it back up. We can get into the weeds later, but, but yeah, so I loaded it for the first time. And of course, as, as muzzleloaders sometimes have a, a tendency of doing, gun didn't go off. And, you know, her first reaction was like, what did I do? And, I, you know, it was like, you didn't do anything. It just, you know, just sit there for a second because, you know, you can have a hang fire with a a muzzleloader or something, which we had already talked about. So she, you know, she did everything right. She kept it pointed down range and and all of that and uh, hung out, decided gun probably wasn't going to go off. But we kept it pointed down range, put another primer in it and... Same thing. Snap, gun doesn't go off. And, you know, we basically at that point, you know, we had other people that that needed to shoot and I needed to figure out what was going on with that gun. So while I was getting tools and stuff out, she kept it pointed down range and, you know, nothing bad ever happened. I I took the breech plug out and it was actually dad's muzzleloader. She was she was borrowing dad let her borrow her uh, his muzzleloader. And basically I think that he had that, he had really oiled up his breech plug and I think that it, it was just too much oil on it. So when I, I got it out and kind of wiped it down and made sure you could see through the fire hole and screwed it all back together and worked great after that. And she was, you know, able to hit what she was aiming at by the, by the end of the session and, and was able to load the gun, I, I basically, you know, I didn't, cause you know, you got loose powder, you got Pyrodex, you got all this stuff. Uh, you know, I just basically taught her how to load it from a quick load because that was essentially what she was going to be doing the day of the hunt. And so that was, uh, all good. By the end of it, she was loading it herself and was familiar with it, you know, hitting what she was aiming at so that all went good and like I said by the end of it she she said she wants a muzzleloader so do you know if that's I guess you said you weren't really sure but like if that was her first experience with shooting a firearm of any type no I know well because we actually went to the cabin with them over the summer and we shot guns, other gun, you know, modern firearms down there. Right. And I know she shot before. I just, okay. and she may have even shot a muzzleloader before, but somebody loaded it up for her or whatever and, and handed it to her and let her pull the trigger. Maybe I, I didn't ask her, but just, you know, based on, um, <clears throat> The just the type of things she was asking and stuff, I got the sense that she hadn't done it before, or or if she had, it had been a long time. Right. I was just more getting at if she had shot other guns. Typically, uh, I mean, nothing wrong, not to knock on muzzleloaders, but muzzleloaders are not, as for lack of a better term, as sexy as modern firearms. <laughs> You want to, you know what I mean? They're dirty. They're hard work to load. You can't. <laughs> so yeah. It's, and I, I just didn't know if she had never shot another gun. It's just, 
see, I, it just kind of surprises me that you said she wants a muzzle loader out of, you know, like. Well, she hasn't she, had to clean it yet. You yeah, know, that's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> muzzle loaders are a lot of fun until you got to clean them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, because there is some like sexy isn't the word, but like some some nostalgia or, or cool factor to, you know, the old timey stuff in the bullet down the barrel, you know, kind of thing. Right. Like. Um, granted, modern muzzle loaders are are a far cry from, you know. The. uh Way back in the day, you know, right. founding of the country type stuff. But, uh, you know, maybe that's what appeal. I didn't ask. I guess I should have asked her, you know, like what, what about this made you want to buy one? But, and the, I don't, you know, the cool thing about muzzleloaders, I mean, there's a lot of like little accessory PC parts that you need and cleaning is a pain. But, uh, you know, comparatively speaking, muzzleloaders aren't that expensive. You know, yeah, so, I mean they're they're very cheap comparatively. Yeah. So yeah, we shot the guns. Everybody was, you know, roughly on on paper. I, I so I I don't tell you guys this. I put a scope on my muzzleloader and I bore sighted it. You know, I looked through the barrel and looked through the scope and got you know the crosshairs lined up to with what looked like um, the target. And I took the first shot at 50 yards and wasn't on, you know, wasn't on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. I had to come back to 25 yards and it was way low. Like, I don't know how, I don't know. It was way low. So I cranked it up and up and up and up and up and, uh, finally got it, you know, shooting. I don't know. I didn't really shoot like groups but i'd say oh maybe tennis ball size groups or some racquetball size groups you know i mean i'm not we're not talking sub moa here but i guess if i had to guess so i didn't spend a ton of time i guess what i'm getting at is i didn't spend a ton of time like dialing it in because it was cold that day they had already done their shooting you know and I was like, well, I think it's pretty good right here. So, and then that led into our, you know, what's kind of become an annual muzzleloader hunt out at grandma's farm where my brother-in-law and his girlfriend joined us and we go out there and do deer drives and almost got skunked, but, uh, well, almost got skunked in the, in that we didn't we almost didn't see a deer. So, if that tells you anything, <laughs> the uh, that first drive we always do behind the house, we you know never really see deer on that drive. It just yeah, I don't know. What are you guys' this thoughts on year- why we don't? It just doesn't have a lot of cover to hold deer. That's what I, I would, think. That would be my yeah. opinion too. Is like this especially year, this I, time of year. Yeah. It's, there's nothing. Yeah. This year I really felt confident about behind there because of the flooding. I thought with all of 
the a lot of the woods being flooded you know there's a couple of higher patches in there that are good cover and i i really thought there would be deer bedded in them but there wasn't but yeah i, I, don't, I was guys, really feeling confident you guys walked through there did you even really see much in the way of like fresh sign in there I mean, it's kind of hard know. to tell, you know, I mean, it when everything's underwater, I mean, you're walking in two inches of water most of the way, you know, it's, can't really see tracks. You can yeah. see deer poop if it's floating. Um, but no, I, I mean, I didn't see much in the way of, of sign really. No, I guess I just asked cause you know, even walking through the field to get back there, you know, I didn't usually, you know, as you get close to the woods, you start to see like, Oh, these are probably last night's tracks or, you know, something. And I never saw anything like that, you know, that it was like, Oh, these are pretty fresh. I guess the biggest, I, uh, I didn't see much in the way of tracks back through there. I don't give back to kind of what you said, why I think it doesn't work. I almost wonder, I mean, we walk across a five, 400, 500 acre, not acre, 400, 500 yards of open ag field to get to these woods. And I don't, I wonder if honestly the deer don't sometimes see us walking back there. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, and you some know, of the I mean, best it, cover is right on that front right face. The, right. It's right in the front. Yeah. So if they're bedded in there, they might see us walking back there and just slip out before we even get back close enough. Yeah. And then it's not that big of a piece of woods. It could be. That could so, be. But the I biggest excitement on that drive was, uh, I guess, my my brother-in-law. He was a stander. Found a tree he was going to post up on, and it was... I I think it had been like an old split trunk tree where one of the, the halves of the the trunk had fallen off some number of years ago and it left a, a big hollow down in this tree. And he went to lean up against it and look down in that hole and there, there sat a coon staring back at him. So he uh, picked a different tree. I would say the last thing you want is to have a... <laughs> An upset coon come tearing out of a hole like that while you're standing there waiting for a deer to come by. Yeah, and I mean, had yeah. he shot, that might have really, you know, scared it. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're shooting, you got deer in front of you, you got a coon running up your back. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. So, but none of that happened. We didn't see any deer, so... Then we, uh, basically the only other chunk of woods is across the street and we added a small little drive, you know, sort of a half drive this year because Jeff, you had seen deer. Basically it's like this low drainage area, little ravine that collects water between the fields and, uh, you had kicked deer out of there a couple times this fall, right? Right. One day I, you know, cause you kind of walk past it on your way to and from 
the car a lot of times. And on my way into the woods or into the field, I kicked deer out of it. You know, spent some time out in the fields. Um, and then a couple hours later came back and kicked deer out of it. You know, they and the ones that I kicked out on the way in, they let me walk right up on them. You know, I mean, I had already kind of walked through this little chunk of woods, you know, most of the way. And I popped up over a little ravine and they were right down below me. You know, so they thought they were pretty safe in there because they weren't concerned about me walking on the edge of it. Right. Yeah. And it, I, I guess that's just it. It's like this little overlooked chunk of woods, this little ravine. And, uh, we were hoping that cause we, we did our, our hunt out there on Sunday. We were hoping that any pressure on surrounding properties would have pushed deer onto the property we have access on for Saturday and, you know, hoping that cause that little chunk of woods gets pretty close to the neighboring property line. So if they squirted across the fence onto the chunk we have permission on, there's a real chance they could have been laying in there. So we set up and, and walked through that and nothing popped out. And then historically, if you get, I can't remember how much detail we've given on these drives in the past, but there's basically the other chunk of woods and we typically do it as one big drive, but with the number of people and, and just, I don't know, I guess the number of people was the main factor on why we decided to break it up this year. Well, and that the the creek was going to be way up, so we didn't expect the deer to be able to, or really have a desire to run across the creek. That's right. Okay. You know, so because the creek was up, we could kind of split it because the deer weren't going to escape that way. Right. And that that was the other, there was because the creek was up, it was going to be hard to get drivers in position depending on how which way we were going to push it you know without having to go way out and around or whatever so yeah okay so we split that drive up and the first the first part is like the wooded upper section above the creek and then there's a like a brushy bottom area that was essentially clear cut a number of years ago I don't know, what do you guys, 10 years ago, maybe? It's probably getting close to 10 years, yeah. I would say it's probably, yeah, 10 years at least. And it's it's not, I mean, you would think, like, a a 10-year-old clear cut would be pretty grown up with, like, small trees and stuff. But I think, for whatever reason, after they clear cut it, that bottom, maybe it always laid wet, but the trees were soaking up a lot of that water or something i don't know but it it stays pretty wet in there and so it's basically like a briar brambles you know like water loving grasses and stuff that grow down in there it's not a lot of there's not a lot of trees down there 
No. And the trees that are down there, like mature type trees, are trees that survived the cutting and they're pretty much all dead and rotten at this point. They're yeah. still standing, but they're not, you couldn't climb them. Right. You know, it's all trees that were there before all the water came in. I think when they cut all the trees, like you said, those trees were soaking up all that water or something changed. Yeah, yeah, I think the trees were soaking up the water, you know, because it was a a stand of woods, you know. I mean, they were wet woods, but they cut all those trees, and now it's Uh, a marsh. And really, the only trees left in there that are still alive are a couple of walnut trees, I think. Everything else that was there, you know, that they left died because it got too wet yeah it's like a weird sort of circum set of circumstances i guess and they but, left some of the tops i think down in there and those have kind of stopped new growth from growing because they all got it's just a mess <laughs> yeah it's like treetops that are swallowed up by grasses that i mean it's you walk through there and you sink through a hole up to your waist because it's like an old treetop that was covered up by grasses that's half rotten. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not easy walking, but the deer love it down in there. So we did that. We broke it up. We did that upper wooded section first and nothing. And then... Basically, uh, got Jake, you were a driver on that first one and, and basically peeled off of that first drive and, and turned into a stander for the, the next drive. And I don't know. I, I want your, cause I never saw these deer. So I want your opinion, Jake. So at the cabin this year, we were doing drives and talking about how with the snow and everything, you know, it was like, we've got to be walking right past here. And we've talked about that in the past, you know, like you get into Mm -hmm. some of this thick stuff. And if you, if you don't basically step on them, they'll let you walk right by them more or less. And so we were kind of talking like, you know, maybe we should make more noise going through there. And it had, it had, you know, it was kind of s- raining is a strong word. You know, it was kind of like misty rain, wet. It had rained previous to that. So everything was wet and therefore pretty quiet. And so I was intentionally trying to crack sticks and kind of talking to myself. And I would whistle a little bit, you know, and just making noise. So I'm wondering if because of that, I pushed those deer too hard. Like I spooked them too bad and they were yes tearing out of there. Yes, that is what happened. But I don't know that, you know, I don't know that it's one or the other. I don't, if you weren't making all that noise and you were just kind of still hunting through there, they may have never came out. I don't know. You know, they, we might've walked, you might've walked right past them. I don't know where they exactly came out of, 
um, but they definitely were they weren't just moseying because hey i think i hear something they they were getting out of dodge um you know and i essentially the same things you were doing making noise was the only thing i could try to do to get them to stop you know so i whistled i hey you know yelled a little bit and they didn't slow down at all um so I, I do think they were pushed harder because you were intentionally making noise, but I don't know that it was necessarily wrong. They right. may have stayed holed up and never came out if you weren't, you know, I don't know. You, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, never, I mean, yeah. we know what happened, which looking back, it's like, eh, I probably shouldn't have been making that much noise. I pushed them too hard. But I, th- I think I made noise. Who knows? Right. I think on that section, though, like, I think sometimes maybe it makes sense to make more noise than than just walking through the woods. But in that section, especially with, you know, you kind of being in an elevated position, Jeff, you were also in an elevated, you know, because the, the, for the listeners that don't know what it looks like, when you get, it's this bottom section that's bordered by the field on one side and the creek, which was super high and like you know i don't want to say a raging river but it was a flowing river had you fallen in you would have gotten washed down like you would have yeah had to you know you would have gotten washed down yeah you would have had to swim to the shore down river yeah yeah you'd have been trying to grab something hanging over (laughs) Yeah. yeah so across that is basically a bank that goes up i don't know how, how high did you say that bank 20 30 feet that bank goes up yeah i was I'd gonna say, say 30 least, yeah yeah i'd say 20 30 feet so if you got guys over there they're essentially in a tree stand you know they've got an elevated position looking down into this and jake you had been standing up there for a long time i'm a, you know i'm assuming looking down in there periodically yeah. to see if there was any deer you know, while we were yeah. getting set up for this drive and never saw anything. No, yeah, I I had picked and, it apart pretty good, you know, just with my eye. Because like you said, I, I had a good amount of time because you guys had to walk all the way out and around and drive cars around. and Yeah. Um, so I had picked it apart looking for anything bedded. And I couldn't see anything from where I was. Right. So, but I think with the way that, little area lays out i think i mean not sneaking through there but i think just walking through there is enough to you know maybe zigs because there's one spot where it gets kind of wide um you know maybe zigzag back and forth a bit but i you know after walking it this time and making some extra noise i feel like i can I could probably get them up or at the very least because you guys are in an elevated, you know, sort of viewing point, even if, cause I think what happens a lot of times, like at the cabin, I'll see, you know, you, you walk through a thick section and they don't go tearing out the backside to the standers. They, they may get up and kind of J hook around and, you know, you as a driver never see them. 
they never go to the standers and they just kind of hang out. They just move within that thick bedding area. In this situation, with you guys being elevated, I think you would, if they stood up and tried to kind of just like J hook around, I you guys would see them. Yeah, either... I mean, because you got to remember, two years ago, we were tracking a deer back into that, you know, back into that brush and jumped another deer. You know, that was the one where... Oh, after we had already done the drive? Yeah, you, you came to me. Jacob had shot one that we were tracking, and you went one way kind of walking in there, and I went another way. And, you know, Jacob, are, you know, all of a sudden starts yelling, you know, there's a deer up, there's a deer up. And you shot up the tree stand and I ended up oh, giving that one right. the Texas heart shot. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that deer let you walk past it. And I mean, that and it let you walk past it after guns were already going off. That's true. You know, which yeah. potentially made it hold even tighter because it knew, like, if I if I get up, I'm you know going to get shot at. Yeah, that's true. But and an, another reason for making all that noise is usually I stand on this one, and it is scary being a stander because you cannot see the drivers coming at you till they're 10 yards away yeah you know i i mean last last year you know i kind of heard you know i heard you coming but it's like i have no idea if that's a person or a deer like you know i don't know what's about to happen and then yeah all of a sudden you popped out you know 10 yards in front of me and it's like wow i you know I didn't see you at all. And all of a sudden you're right in front of me. Yeah. So that, make making all that noise helps because it's like, well, that's clearly not uh, a deer, you know, that's a person. Right. Yeah. You know, or at least whistling like, you know, deer don't whistle usually right. at least. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just thinking that that drive would be a good candidate I mean, it would be a pain, but, you know, uh, I think, Jeff, you mentioned the the Dan Infault drive. They'll take, a, like, an A-frame ladder, step ladder out there, and basically sit on top of the, the ladder. That would be a good one to, you know, because, like you said, there's not a lot of trees down there. And the rest of the year, it's not really a good... I wouldn't think where you would want to put a stander. It's not really a good place for a tree stand. Maybe, maybe not. But if you could get somebody elevated in there, I think it would, a stander, I think it would help a lot. Yeah, I would agree. I think if your brother-in-law was elevated, he would have saw those deer that I saw. They were, the way they ran, they were, Less than 20 yards from him. Yeah. But you couldn't see him. You know, he couldn't see him. They could have been 10 yards from him. He probably couldn't have saw him. Yeah. It's just the way that it's just thick, nasty. And with it being wet, you know, you don't hear him. 
need to take a quick break here to talk about one of our other sponsors, Monster Whitetail Grub. So they are a deer feed company and they're actually based right here in Ohio. So their, their tagline or slogan is deer feed the Ohio way. And they actually try to source everything from Ohio. So you get a great product. We've had good luck with their success. We've, we've tried their, their signature monster white toe grub feed, which is a, a high protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. You can get tons of different additives added to it. And at the same time, help support the Ohio economy. So it's a win-win in that book. And it helps support the show by, by supporting our sponsors. So check out Monster Whitetail Grub. Go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors and you can get in touch with them. Find out which retailers they're in or if there's not a retailer in your area, how you can order it and get it shipped to your house. So with that, let's get back into the conversation. Do you guys think so, it makes more like now that we've done this and kind of seen how they run, do you think it makes more sense to push that stander in farther, like almost put them on the creek bank and then let the person out on the field edge, you know, cause my thought there is if they're coming through that bottom, they're going to get to the end. They're either going to like run along the Creek and try to get across the Creek or eventually they're going to squirt out into the field. But, but maybe that's not, the case i don't know what do you guys think there i think yes i think that stander needs to push all the way into the creek and if the creek's low enough maybe even go because like that creek kind of creates like a little island once you get back in there the creek divides if you can get across onto that island maybe even because that's where they go yeah yeah jeff i mean that that deer i shot that we tracked that's where we tracked it Yep. That uh, that little ravine, Jeff, that you went, I think as you were walking out, that little, I don't know where exactly that lays out on the other side, but <clears throat> do you think that ravine would be a good spot for a stander to kind of kind of get out of that brush a little bit and be able to to see stuff? Yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think putting where the, where we have the standard now, it's just too thick that the standard can't really cover much of anything and they can't see anything and it's not, it's not really safe. Yeah. I was going to say it's kind of dangerous, you know, because basically the deer have to run in a very specific way to have a shot yeah you know there's kind of a i think when they logged it they kind of made a logging road and the deer have to run in or down that logging road to even see them but and have a safe shot right and i think where the deer kind of escaped this time i think is even over a little bit of a hill you know there's a little bit that it kind of drops off another four foot three foot right before the creek so even if there wasn't brush blocking your view i don't think you could you know you would just see spine and head oh right right if they're right on the creek there yeah 
so yeah, I that one we have to do some adjusting. Because the other problem with putting a stander, you know, pushing a stander all the way into the creek is he very well could jump deer. Yeah. Or at least alert deer that they're there. So then the deer are going to run, you know, a different direction. Right. You know, they they know there's somebody that way and that way. So I'm going to run out to the field or I'm just going to bonsai straight into the creek and across. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said at the beginning of this, we saw some, or Jake saw some deer on this one. Never got any shots, but that was uh, the end of our group hunt. We went back to the house. Grandma had a nice lunch ready for us and hung out and chatted and headed home. But, Jeff, you had actually had some success the the day before. I think you posted about that a little bit in yeah. stories, right? So if you if you, you know listeners yeah. are following our our stories, they've they've already seen some about this. Yeah. Before we get into that too much, I have a couple of questions for you guys. Okay. Jason, this was kind of your first time, you know, really taking like a relatively new hunter hunting, right? Yes. And uh, the the pressure, you know, like it it's even it's at least for me, it's so much worse when you're like, you know, oh, you know, this is what's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, or like this is this is our plan. And then like that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's. Yeah, so much. Yeah. worse. You know, like, you, well. You, yeah, you, you get them all pumped up and whatever, and then they don't even see a deer, and it's like, well, this is, you know, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess to add insult to injury, I I found out as we were, because I don't know if you guys noticed, she kept getting phone calls and, and people tell, I mean, not while we were hunting, but like in the downtimes, you know, she'd answer the phone, oh, thanks, you know, thanks, yeah, it's good talking to you. What well, was her birthday? So oh. it would have been real nice to have gotten her a deer on her birthday, uh, but right. she didn't even end up seeing one. So, but I mean, she was in good spirits about it all. And the the main thing I was kind of bummed about was they they bought tags and licenses specifically for this one afternoon of hunting or morning of hunting, and. You know, I, I was really hoping to make it worth their, you know, their money, I guess, make it worth their while. But unfortunately, you know, didn't work out that way. But, I, you know, I told them as we were walking back because, you know, we were you guys were on one side of the creek and those two and I were on the other side of the creek. And so walking back up to the, the road, back up to the house, you know, I told them, well, you know at least we got some up and moving, you know, had we played it a little different, maybe we'd be dragging deer right now, but you know, it would have really been a bummer to have come out here and done all this and not even seen a deer, you know, at least, at least we got some going and that we were, you know, they were talking on the way home that, you know, next year they plan to kind of hit it harder, you know, by their, 
buy their tag and license earlier and get out and, you know, try to get some deer meat in the freezer. Cause like I said, they've, they've both hunted. She's, I think primarily bow hunt. My brother-in-law has, you know, he's done plenty of hunting, but he, you know, here, I don't know, past handful of years, maybe the past 10 years, I don't know that he's really hunted maybe uh, you know a year or two in that time span yeah i was gonna say i don't remember you ever i mean i know your father-in-law i've heard stories of him hunting but i've never heard i mean i just the way pete was raised i assumed that he hunted at some point i just but in the last like you said probably 10 years i don't recall hearing about him going hunting yeah i you know i think he just you know Life happened. He had kids, you know, he had young kids as his kids are getting older now. Um, you know, just life situation is a little different. And so he's, I think he's going to have some time. I think a lot of times, you know, he didn't have any vacation left come, you know, kids get sick, you know, his job, you got to take vacation to, to handle, you know, sick kids or, or whatever. And, um, you know, it just, for whatever reason, he hadn't really done much hunting here in, you know, the past number of years. So it was good to hear them, you know, talking about plans. I guess her parents live out that way, like the eastern part of the state, and they, they live on 10 acres or something. So they were thinking about maybe trying to go out there next year. And so... That was yeah. encouraging, I guess, you know, to kind of get them back reinvigorated and and hopefully buying tags and licenses more frequently. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of did your job then. Because, you know, I don't know. When you don't see anything, it kind of seems like a miserable experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. The other thing is on the way home, because we all left out of there around the same time. When we got on the highway, did you guys notice uh, off to the right, there was two what I think were girls dragging a deer through a field? Yeah. Did you guys, did you saw that? Yep. Not a stitch of blade. Yeah, orange. I saw them. No, yeah. Yeah, no. I noticed that. Yeah. We're in full like, camo. Yeah. yeah, full camo, dragging a deer through a field. It's like, what's, you know, I, I don't know why people think that they don't need to wear blaze orange during muzzleloader season. I kind of assumed that they had, you know, I don't know, had a vest or something on, took it off after everything was done. And, you know, I don't know, I, I my head initially went to, well, they were wearing it when they were hunting and they've, they've since taken it off i obviously don't know that but yeah i mean i i don't know that either you know how what but it 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 seemed very odd to me you know yeah because i mean and i mean it doesn't that's still a really bad idea you know right because now you're three brown things in the middle of a field you know, and one of those brown things is actually a deer. Yep. Now, granted that it's on the ground, but 
you know, because, yeah, at first I was like, oh, you know, that's good for them, you know. Especially yeah. because it it looked like two women. You know, so it was like, good for them. You know, they went out and they're dragging their own deer and, you know. See, I thought they're doing I, it. I thought it was a guy and a kid when I went oh, by. I don't know. Well, I yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. My, again, I didn't get a good look. I was driving down the highway, but my assumption was the same as yours, Jason. I thought it was a dad and his daughter or something. But, and it looked like they were pulling it on like some sled thing from what I saw. But, I don't know. Well, and I, I mean, I guess another, you know, a safety standpoint, but then it also just invites, I mean, you're in, it's a big field in full view of the highway. You know, it just invites. Right. Right. A, a stop from the game warden wondering what you know looking for an explanation yeah yeah i mean yeah you gotta think they probably had a hundred people right see them you know because i mean yeah they were full view of the highway you know dragging a deer yeah and i yeah i i don't think you would have ever saw that during gun season you know, no. people people wear their blaze orange during gun season. You know, well, and I even uh, I even stopped after we got done with one of the drives. We were walking up toward you, Jeff, and they were, you know, my my brother in law and his girlfriend were with me, and we got within. I mean, we were well within gun range i don't know maybe maybe it was 50 yards 50 60 yards or something of you i'll say 50 yards and i knew you were right over there but we couldn't see you and i stopped and i said you know because when we were talking about getting ready for this you know i said you know do you guys have all the oranges you need and they said yeah we've got vests i said well if you have more than that bring more than that because you know doing deer drives especially right there's people walking through the woods like the more orange the better and so i stopped and said you know you you guys you know you know jeff's right over there you you left him right over there we know he's standing over there but you know you can't see him and a few more steps then we you know we caught a glimpse we could see your arm or your shoulder or whatever sticking out from behind the tree right but, you know, it was a good opportunity to kind of stop and be like, you know, it was a good case for wearing as much orange as, you know, you can you can get. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of did that a little bit intentionally, you know, because it's like I know there's other people over there. So I'm going to stand so that there's a tree in between us. Sure. Just in case. And also it's like I've seen the deer kind of basically run like in the area where i would be shooting right at them so it's like well if i stand with a tree there then those deer can't see me until they get you know around that tree and they're in safe shooting yeah but yeah i i was standing with a tree you know in that direction because you know better you know safer to have a tree there than not and also, it I, that's the that's the direction I can't shoot, so I might as well put the tree there because then I, you know, my blind spot is also the place I can't shoot, so I'm not even, you know, there's no risk. 
Sure. So I think that leads us to uh, your hunt, Jeff. Yeah. So that was Saturday of muzzleloader, opening day of muzzleloader. Um, I slept in. I didn't go out in the morning because I knew that odds of seeing a deer were slim. You know, I basically have one nice buck that walks during the day. Um, but he almost exclusively comes in like early evening. Um, and there's no pattern. He just comes in, you know, every, you know, once a week on a random day, you know, maybe not even once a week. Right. Um, but we had, uh, Jacob's son's birthday party. So we went to that. I wasn't in any real hurry to leave there to go hunting, but I did want to at least make it out to the tree, you know, for the evening. So I don't even know when I got in the woods. It was, I'm. what time did I leave your house, Jacob? Four? I think um, I left. I, yeah, I think it was like four o'clock. I remember it was late enough to where it was like, are you even going to have time? Like kind of cutting it close. <laughs> Cause you said you wanted yeah. to, you know, you told your wife, Hey, let's get going. I want to try to hunt tonight. And I'm just like, dude, you waited too long. It's going to be kind of close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it might've been, you know, 15 till quarter till, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't get out there super early, but the woods, you know, it had, it had snowed, you know, last week and then the snow melted and then it was raining so i mean the leaves were packed to the ground and wet so i was able to move like dead silent you know i could basically run through the woods and not make a sound so i you know basically got back to my stand real quick you know i would kind of walk quickly till I got to like a ravine, you know, cause I kind of have this down. I know where the deer are and where they're not going to be, you know? So I would, you know, kind of get real close, you know, move quickly, you know, look at the different areas where deer might be bed and got to my stand. And I got to my stand, got up in it. And I think I texted you guys like tonight's going to be a good night. Like, you know, I got out here dead silent. I saw a bunch of deer on my way, you know, from Jacob's house to mine. Like tonight's going to be a good night. Yeah. You called, you called your shot. You said, yeah, yeah. I think you said, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot one tonight. I can just feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I sort of didn't have a ton of intentions of really shooting a doe. Um, you know, I, I, I have, a pretty good amount of deer meat you know i have enough um so i didn't have you know i was gonna pass on you know little doe but you know i'm sitting there and it's overcasty and i'm in the woods and it's getting late and i'm sitting there and it's like wow i you know, it's really getting close to I can't see my sights anymore. You know, I have open sights 
on my muzzle loader. And it's like, uh. and then, you know, it gets to the point where it's like, I don't know if I could, you know, if a deer did come, I don't know if I could shoot it. You know, I can't see my sights. Right. And I got out my phone and basically texted you guys that. And, you know, I kind of put my phone down, like, look up and there's a deer standing there at like 40 yards. And I pull up my gun and it's like, yeah, I can't, can't see it. You know, it's not, I can't, can't shoot it because I have, I can't see my sights. Right. Yeah. I send you guys that text and then, you know, I'm get out my phone to, uh, start trying to, you know, take pictures and this thing basically just picks, you know, picks up its head and just walks right over to me. I mean, walks right below my stand. <laughs> and it's like, well, if it's that close, I'm, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, I, I don't know if I've ever shot a deer with a bow that close before. Oh, you wow. Know, it was, it was right, it was right there. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, at that distance, I can, I can see my sights. You know, I'm not worried about, you know, being off by a little bit. I'm right. almost sticking the, the barrel of the gun, you know, to the side of the deer at this point. <laughs> you know, it, that deer was probably, it was probably 10 yards. I mean, it was right there. Wow. And I pulled the trigger. And, you know, I see the deer run out of the the smoke cloud, basically. And it's getting it. You know, I mean, it's it's running. And it's trying to make like a hook to kind of hook back the way it came. So it kind of, you know, makes a, a J. And, you know, when it gets to the tip of that J, it quickly stops and turns around to go you know run the other way and then it fell over because i was convinced like oh no that deer you know it's running that fast you know that far that hard it's it's i missed you know even at 10 yards i missed yeah but yeah it fell over and that was basically that you know when i you know got out of the stand when i got over to it the deer had the way it had fallen it had jammed its head underneath one of its legs like so its leg was tucked up over its head like when i walked up to it it looked like the thing had a hoof growing out of its neck because it had tucked its head underneath its leg yeah, it you sent us the pictures of that. Weird. That, that was the strangest thing, yeah. Yeah. But I, I I think it was just I mean, the thing ran full blast until the moment it was dead. So when it, you know, fell, it just, you know, contorted itself all weird. And I didn't you know, I, I thought surely when I saw that, that it had, you know, I had shot it through the shoulder and it had 
you know, that leg was gone, you know, and that's why it was tucked up like that. But I didn't hit either shoulder. I, uh, you know, went right through the lungs. Hmm. And yeah, I, that, that deer, uh, amazed me by, you know, how far it ran and basically didn't react to being shot. Like it, it, it acted like it was a, a bow kill, you know, that's, oh, okay. you know, it just, the, the distance, you know, I've, I've shot deer with a bow that didn't run as far. Right. Yeah. You know, I, and I put a big old hole through it, you know, <laughs> it's, I use those power belts. So it's a, it's a 50 caliber bullet hollow point. Yeah. And I hit a rib on entry. So, I mean, it, it had opened up, but hmm. yeah. And also when I, uh, so then after our hunt on Sunday, I was taking my deer to the processor and I got maybe two miles from the processor and had five bucks run across the road in front of me. And two of them were nice. You know, and it's like, man, you guys are, you know, just teasing me now. I've <laughs> been hunting all morning. <clears throat> I'm taking my my doe to the processor and you guys are standing, you know, two miles from the processor. You think somebody had pushed them out of the woods or something or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they. They darted out into the road i mean they they got very close to getting hit you know not by me but by uh there was a truck coming the other way and i mean they they got close you know oh, that yeah. guy got within five feet of them Ooh, yeah that's you close. know and, yeah and i mean they they there was a, a a narrow gap you know in between my car and his truck you know, they all darted through and, you know, so they, you know, it was, it was narrow. They, they weren't, you know, they, they definitely wanted to get out of where they were. Yeah. You know, because they were willing to run the gauntlet, you know, in between, you know, the, the, the 10 yards, if you will, like little path in between where my car was stopped and where this truck was stopped. Yeah. And uh, the guy at the processor said that this was the busiest muzzleloader he can remember. He said oh, really? people were bringing in all kinds of deer. They they uh, were they're supposed to, you know, they close like midday. You know, they're open in the morning, close midday, open in the evening, you know. People shoot deer in the morning, bring them in, shoot them in the evening, bring them in. And he said, and, you know, we got so much work to do that we'll just be here. Because when I when I pulled up, they had, I mean, just all kinds of deer, you know, laying out, you know, that people had dropped off. There was a group of guys there that 
I don't know. They they had to have been doing deer drives, I assume, because it was three or four guys, and they were dropping off six six deer. Wow. You know, they just had their truck bed full of deer. You know, it it, it, it looked like they were, you know, like cordwood. <laughs> and uh, their their bill was just astronomical. You know, because they tell them, they tell you before you leave how much it's going to be. And it's like, wow, I can't, can't imagine that, you know, all at once, you know, hit to the bill, you know, hit to the wallet all at once. Well, and you know, the whole deer processing price for six deer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whole deer processing. And the guy pulled out a wad of cash. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, no, no big deal. Yeah. You know, just pulled out this wad of cash and, you know, handed over the money. It's like, man, that's, you know, because I, you know, with my one deer that I'm bringing in deboned, you know, I'm bringing in just meat to be made in the specialty meats and stuff. It's like, oh, wow, that's expensive you know it's expensive to pay all that at once yeah you you go to the grocery store and buy you know a pound of meat or whatever it's like oh yeah it's you know that's nothing but when you're buying it all at once it's like that's it's a lot of money you know like yeah my wallet's a little thinner (laughs) yeah that's for sure all right well that sort of wraps up, other than, like I said, Jake's going to go out on Tuesday and see yeah. if he, he can get one, but that sort well, of wraps up our muzzleloader hunt. Also, the cool thing about shooting that deer was this year I had intentions to shoot a deer with a gun, one of the guns that I inherited from our grandfather, oh. and I had the intention to use a 16-gauge, um, just a uh, break-action 16 gauge but it wasn't you know it it would repeat but it didn't shoot where you pointed it you know it was just a bead sight and it didn't shoot anywhere near where you pointed it yeah so but i got to shoot uh that deer with a muzzle loader that i inherited so that was cool you know i got to accomplish it just in a different way right yeah that's cool all right well, hopefully everybody else had some success or was able to at least get out and hunt muzzleloader. And I think with that, we'll shut it off. And thanks, everybody, for listening. All right, so that's it for this week. Hopefully you guys had a good muzzleloader season. Maybe you had the opportunity to take somebody new out hunting. If you did, that's great. Hopefully it went well. If you didn't, that's fine too hopefully hopefully you had a good muzzleloader season still a little bit of bow season left so if you're still trying to to get that last deer in the freezer or put a tag on a nice buck hopefully uh you've got a few more sits planned and with that let everybody go as always please 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 share the episodes with your friends your your family your hunting buddies leave us a review comment on the posts and uh, 
give us a big thumbs up. Five stars, all that stuff helps. So with that, thank you everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next week.